Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Now, this week, we've got Katie McAllister on for you, who's actually moving into a new role as the president of QNAD in the coming weeks. Now, she has been the CMO of TUI in the UK and Ireland for a good number of years and navigated that organization through, of course, a pivotal moment during COVID, where she led the transformation and rebranding of the organization, which has really held them in good stead as they move forward. It's going to be a thrilling episode. Um, she shares some amazing insights about teams, leaderships, and of course, her own personal journey. Now, the show is, of course, sponsored by two amazing organizations, the Marketing Skills Trust and the Marketing Lounge Partnership. We couldn't do it without you guys, so thank you for the support. Alrighty, over to the show. Well, hello, everybody. And today we have the amazing Katie McAllister, who is about to start a new role as the president of QNAD beginning in the summer. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. Very nice to be here with you. Hey, brilliant to have you on. Now, let me just tell you a little bit more about Katie. So previous to this, she was the chief marketing officer for TUI in the UK and Ireland. And Katie had been at TUI for over 15 years in a variety of roles from director of business change, head of customer strategy, head of multinational user experience, and even digital director. Now, Katie has had a string of accolades from being in the top most effective marketers and winning the marketing team of the year by Marketing Week. Um, actually, 85% of the team would actually recommend the brand as a great place to work, which I would say is a fantastic endorsement of Katie's leadership. She's been credited with future-proofing of the TUI brand, especially after feeling the adverse effects of COVID. This included a launch of a global ad campaign, modernizing the brand identity, and driving traffic, all while keeping spend to an absolute minimum. So in fact, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. But beyond this, Katie is one of the trailblazers in the industry, so it really is a great opportunity to hear from Katie and what makes her tick. So let's get cracking. Yeah, fantastic to have you on the show, Katie. I, I'm sort of a bit spoiled for riches about where to start. Brand new job, which is breaking news. Uh, marketing team of the year, I didn't know that. I mean, how do you get there? That's not an easy thing. And then, of course, travel was complete, completely evaporated by COVID. I'm sure we'll cover all of them, but actually... Um, let's start with a brand new job because I think this is breaking news. So we're recording it before you started. By the time we release, you will have started. But this is a biggie. Tell us more. Yeah. So, um, so I've, I've worked as CMO for the last five years at Tui. Um, really was sort of looking for my next move. With that, I've worked at Tui for for my whole career, which I'm both embarrassed and proud to tell you. Um, mainly proud and. Um, yeah, so I was looking for my next move. Would that be internal? Would that be external? Um, and this role came up, which is, yeah, to run a cruise line, this fabulous heritage brand, um, Cunard. So just really looking forward to broadening out from CMO to CEO, um, taking on more of that kind of operational responsibility, holistic um, leadership role. And yeah, really excited to do it, I have to say. That's ama amazing news, Katie. Amazing. So look, tell us a little bit more. I mean, like, how did that come about? Do I, was it right for a change? What What was the circumstances? Yeah, so I mean, look, I love um, I love TV. I love my job. Like I said, I've worked there forever. Fantastic business, loads of opportunity. And yeah, it was a, you know, a headhunter approached me about it. Um, and the business just feels like the right thing for me to go and do. It's travel, so it's the same sector. 
um, and then to broaden into that CEO role feels um, feels like a good thing to do within travel because I've got that sector expertise and that operational um, expertise to move across into that. So, um, so that's kind of how it came about. And you know, you meet with businesses, the chemistry feels good. It feels like a plate, the right place to work. And um, yes, that is really the the story. So, looking forward to joining them in August. So, so many learnings there when you take that big leap um, into the, the next big job, what's the right sector, what's the right chemistry, um, but, 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 but now is the right time for you, I guess. And so what, what's, what are your hopes and expectations for this new role? Um, so I guess so that there's a very practical piece um, within this business, which is, and they currently have, it's really heritage brands. And they're moving from three ships to four ships. So a big growth effectively. So, you know, increasing almost their um their customers by a third so there's a real growth strategy there um it's a global role so at the moment elements of my role at TB are global but this is truly global because they take customers from all over the world the ships are based all over the world there's a real leadership channel um challenge um and kind of a cultural challenge of how you bring all those teams together and how you also understand the customers in all those different markets that I'm just really looking forward to to getting my teeth into so yeah, there's a few a few bits that I'm that I'm looking forward to. Wonderful, Lady, you got to take us back though. You know, 15 years or a career lifer almost at at TUI. So tell us how it all began and and uh, some of the the highlights of of your career that organisation so far. Yeah, okay. So I actually started right out of uni. So I've worked there for over 20 years, um, which is yeah, maybe my LinkedIn isn't quite up to date, but so I've worked there for um, for over 20 years. And started straight out of uni as a grad and um, I did a French and Spanish degree and um, which means I just like talking and I didn't really know what I wanted to do but I'm kind of interested in people I guess is the is the kind of the start point for that languages degree and communicating with other people and understanding different cultures and also travel so I um, went and worked for Chile overseas um, I had a great you know perfect job of having a grad graduate job but based in holiday resorts and through that, um, I did purchasing, so buying hotel rooms and, and that kind of thing. And um, through that, just fell in love with what the business does, which is this fantastic thing of giving you know people the best two weeks of the year. Um, and I did that for a period of time and came back and then worked in a, in a commercial role. So doing kind of the, the cool things would be like product and pricing. So how many planes you're going to send where, how many hotels you're going to have where, and how you're going to price them and, and make money and get that right. Um, and then I um, set up an accommodation-only business, so setting a hotel-only business. So TUI traditionally was a was a package holiday company, if you like, and that was its main tenant. And um, I set up a business which was just around selling hotel-only within TUI. And that's the brilliant thing about this business. It's so diverse. You know, you can just go and set up a business within it. Um, and as part of that, um, we needed to build out websites um, and have a kind of B2C proposition around it. So I very quickly got into working in digital. Um, and I worked in digital product, even though it wasn't really called digital product in those days, um, for a number of years. So really, you know, almost at the beginning of the internet, if you like, working out how to build digital experiences for customers. And that's everything from like how to understand what they want and what they need into, right, how are we actually going to communicate this to the IT guys to make this work? Um, how are we going to measure the success of it? How do we get faster at it? All of that stuff. 
And then, you know, that has over time matured into a very, very mature digital operation, you know, kind of 70% of all of TV sales um, are sold either online or in the app. Um, I've had a couple of babies along the way. So when we can talk about, when we talk about career challenges, we can come back and talk about those those baby years, which were challenging. Um, and then I worked across customer experience. So um, from digital, broadening that out into the customer experience holistically and how to design because everything was becoming digital, you know, that was kind of customer experience was digital experience effectively. So I worked across that and, and worked in kind of CRM and digital marketing. So acquisition at that end of the, um, of the spectrum of marketing, um, I had a global role. So moved into a, a global position within TV where I ran our app overall. So all of our customers that go on holiday, download and, and use an app. Um, so I worked in that for a period of time, again, using those digital product and kind of customer acquisition skills, um, and then run brand overall for the group as well. So brand and advertising, single global campaign, identity and that kind of thing. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I have my move to my CMO role in the, in the UK and Ireland, which encompasses everything that you'd imagine is marketing from kind of, you know, um, digital and CRM, so acquisition into brands. Um, but then also sales channels and fulfillment, so retail, e-commerce, um, and customer service. So I've had a very varied background, if you like, um, from very kind of core commercial things, then through you know adding in almost the marketing elements of them of that later, um, but very customer focused. I think all my roles have been customer focused about solving problems for customers or making things better for customers. And that's really where I find my, um, and colleagues that goes alongside, right. But bringing those two things together is, is kind of where I find my energy and my purpose. So yeah, that's a bit of a whistle stop too. Wow. You've, you've packed it in, um, across such a breadth of roles. It's almost like it was the perfect training ground to become a CEO. There you go. <laughs> but, um, but you did, you did say that there were some tricky patches. So, I mean, this show is all, all about letting people be comfortable with the fact that life is not a perfect straight line. So t yeah. tell us a bit more, Katie. I think, I think there's a, I think there's a couple of things. So, um, I mean, we could probably end up with COVID, which was really hard. Um, but I think the first thing is I never knew what I wanted to do. And I remember people, you know, I remember someone using the expression, where's your spot on the wall? As if like, it was all about like how far up this wall you could climb. I thought was a really odd thing to ask me and I never really thought about things in that way I never really thought like oh I must just be like the most successful or do you know what I mean it was more like what do I like doing and how do I do more of that um so I so I always found that a little bit hard and a little bit confusing in terms of like picking the next role for me to do or you know where to move to and that kind of thing um so I think that I found that quite hard during my sort of more formative years, let's say. Um, I found having babies and working in the time which I did that really difficult. So my eldest is 14 um, and I had a big job at the time and an even bigger job by the time I had my 10 year old. And, you know, it is just, and, and, and you know, unless you are in like a really, um, 
extraordinary relationship i'm gonna say that then the mental burden of of things do fall to women um and it is just hard to be a woman with small kids and go to work and i guess in those days um you didn't have you know i think covid's been fantastic from a flexibility point of view because i always say to um girls that work for me younger women who are thinking about having babies or having babies is try and work as flexibly as you can but without taking a pay cut so don't go down to if you can help it don't go down to four days a week because you're just then getting paid 20 percent less and we're probably not going to reorganize your job to give you 20 percent less of the work right so guess what you're going to be doing that in in a compressed time frame so mm. i always say that and i but i just don't think in those days flexibility was there in the same way that it is now i think we're much more open to that and i found that really hard and I have to say that at that point in my career, I was I was quite angry about it. And I did think I have to make sure that I can be in rooms where these kind of things get changed in the future. And that, I think, did give me quite an impetus, if you like, and an ambition to really become a decision maker um, and to influence things. So, um, yeah, that was hard. Having young babies is hard. And it gets easier, of course. You go through phases and, you, you know, your childcare evolves and all of that kind of thing. And you you fall into a different pattern um so that that was challenging um and i think you know personal things come and go i remember, remember my brother died at, at one point had an awful miscarriage that was a terrible year and um that was hard and i sort of kept on working and maybe to the point where like you know work became almost a bit like therapy for me because it was something that you could go and do and focus on um and then covid was another really hard hard time um and covid was hard travel was um you know probably i've got a real martyr complex about it but probably the most hardest hit industry of the pandemic certainly travel and hospitality more broadly um and it was it was mentally and physically hard work long hours um lots of stress um many 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 problems to solve you know things like how do we like our systems don't just automatically refund people for all these holidays that they go on we've got millions of people's money how do we get it back to them what are we how do we change our systems you know almost overnight to get that stuff done how do we get as many people to support people as possible and then as travel opened up which you'll remember it did sporadically with traffic light systems and all kinds of madness how do we then operate holidays within that context and give people um, the information they need to travel and so that all of that was difficult and it was difficult to um to let's say organize and coordinate but what was also difficult what the most difficult part was um i had a massive team i mean like you know four thousand people and i had this enormous sense of responsibility to all these people that the business is going to be all right and you're all going to be all right and like we know you know i know what i'm doing every day and of course it didn't how do you know what you're doing every day in the middle of a global pandemic when you know the government would you know on a thursday night just tell you that you needed to repatriate everyone from portugal or something like it was just absolute madness and um, so that that was really that was really difficult but i think one of the things that i learned out of covid quite interestingly is it's all right not to like not to know sometimes and to as a leader just go like I don't know whether this is the right thing but we're just going to try it and just let some of that like showing vulnerability around that I think um 
I learned that a lot more through COVID. I think not not having all the answers and not having to have all the answers and being open about that. Yeah, I I love that. I mean, um, just to say out loud, uh, you know, sympathy, thoughts for you around your brother. I mean, that's he's way too young. I don't know the circumstances, mm. but um, mm. that's that's you know thoughts of you on that. And um, and and I think you're right. I think travel was the most impacted industry. And I you know I'd forgotten the traffic lights, but yeah, what nonsense that was. Um, but but the the vulnerability to not have all the answers, I mean, it's um it's you, you say you've been through the ringer on a few things. Yeah. So how how do you keep your shit together when under the most immense pressure? Um. Oh God, I don't really know how I do that. Probably I don't. I mean, I think. Um. You know, number one, I don't like drama really. Um. So I like to. Um, I kind of like to diffuse things by not having drama and to have a sense of fun. And, um, you know, the reality is most things, it's just business, right? It's all going to be all right. So there's a whole thing around perspective and, um, and yeah, finding your sense of purpose and fun and lightheartedness through all of that, I think is, is very important. It's very important for me that, you know, I can go to work and, have a good laugh with my colleagues and that we can talk about all the other stuff that's important to us beyond work. So I think that's the first thing around that. Um, and then I think it's all about having a great team, um, picking the right people for the right jobs and supporting them to do that because that's ultimately what helps you to, as you say, Mark, keep your shit together. Um, you know, and so I think it's really as simple as that is having the right mindset and having the right team. Maybe can I just uh, pick up on clearly going through COVID, but at the same time, you sort of grabbed it with with both hands and used it as an opportunity to revitalize the brand and launch new global campaigns, but doing so in a way that was cognizant and sensitive to the the economic fallout that you must have been going through actually at the time. And I'd yeah. love to understand how you were able to navigate that Um both the sensitivities as well as being able to revitalize and, you know, get that gung-ho um, attitude to kind of push back and and push into the new era, see a future. Yeah, I think so, you know, um, we 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 have a quite a close relationship with our customers anyway. Um, so we are a business where customers will happily give you feedback about their experiences or how they're feeling a lot because of the product and what we do, which is really good, right, in normal times. But in COVID times, that was absolutely priceless, right, because we could go out um, sort of once a month, if not twice a month, and just gauge what's the mood of the nation, like how do you feel about travel, how, you know, what are you concerned about, Um how can we make travel feel safe for you? But also like just attitudinally, like, are you up for traveling or are you not up for traveling? Or, you know, where are you, where are you thinking that you might go to? So we really deepened the relationship with customers and that really allowed us to get the tone of the advertising right. So let's say tactically through COVID, because you know, we would once you, once you decide that you're going to fly a plane somewhere, you better make sure you're going to fill it, right? So you ha we had to do some element of advertising um, and performance marketing to make sure that we picked up whatever demand was there. And being really sensitive to that was important. So understanding we didn't do, you know, often we do quite um, aggressive price and offer-led marketing at certain times of the year when we really want to, you know, 
bums on seats and that kind of thing. And we really steered away from that and went for much more inspiring marketing and much more around safety and how we would look after you and everything that we were doing to to make travel as, as safe and as normal as possible. So we did we took that approach. Um we also did much more pure what I would call pure brand work. Um so very big operational business to be like showing an ROI on marketing investment is super, super, super important. Um and you know, spend a huge amount of money in this in you know performance marketing and below the line channels because of that as do most travel businesses and we did spend more money on pure brands so for example the mood of the nation at one point when we were all locked in i think it was i think it was after christmas in 2021 um and we were all locked in, no one could go anywhere. And we realised that everyone just really wanted to go on holiday. So we made a lovely spoof ad of holidays from home about everyone recreating holidays in their houses. And we ran that, you know, we couldn't travel anywhere. Travel was actually banned at that point. Um, but it was just a really nice ad and it went down really well because that's it just summed up what everyone was feeling. And we knew what everyone was feeling because we were talking to them um, all the time. So... So that was the kind of through COVID tactical piece. And then um, the kind of brand piece was all about like, how do we emerge from this stronger? Um, how do we really take, relook at our purpose and what we do and kind of make that fit for post COVID? Um, so, you know, we coined the strap line of live happy because we create the moments that make life richer and before you go on holiday, you're already living a bit happier because you counted down to your holiday. And when you come back, you're living a bit happier because you're thinking about those amazing moments that you had on your holiday. So it really encapsulated it. And it seemed so important post-COVID that we just did things that made us happy, right? Um, so that was kind of the idea of the campaign. And then it's really allowed us to extend, ha have a platform to extend out all the products that we do within that. So that, you know, covers off things like our cruise program, things like our ski program, cities, some of our hotel um, concepts that we have, which are designed for families or couples to be blue, things like that. So it's working really well for us as a platform. And we really had this, this, we wanted to go beyond package holidays post-COVID, which had never really cracked before. And that was just a really good platform for, for doing that in the right moment. Wonderful. So um, loads of observations there. So get closer to your customers when the crunch is on. And in this case, to get the tone right through COVID. And the, the fact that you were able to double down on brand work and probably get excess share of voice and come out stronger is, is probably res, um, driven by your standing in the organization because many marketers struggle with that. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to take a pause for a minute to signpost one of our incredible sponsors for the show. The Marketing Lounge Partnership are a specialist loyalty and CRM agency that works with blue chip clients on helping them engage their customers. Think about sales promotion and incentives. Think loyalty programs. Think CRM and ways to engage customers through email, social, and a range of channels. I really rate the team. I think they always truly deliver. So check them out if it's of interest. Alrighty, back over to the show. But I, but I love the live happy. There's somebody once said to me that you can't help but rub yourself up on the brands that you manage. And then so there's sort of this sort of, you know, the, not that brands are personality based, but, you know, there's a, there's a, it strikes a chord. You talk about being lighthearted in the sense of fun. And here's a line which is live happy, but also true, true to the, 
the category. Anyway, I'm rambling a little bit. I'm going to come back to marketing team of the year. Um, I think you said you got four thousand people. So, Mike, what, what's what's the keys to successfully leading a massive team to such an accolade? Um, so I think, I mean, the first thing is probably everyone read our story. I mean, Toby Horry, that works for me, is fabulous, and um, wrote the submission. Um, and I think the first thing is everyone was probably like, my God, these guys have been through the ringer and COVID. They should have an award, probably, was the first thing I'm joking. But, um, you know, look, the team is fantastic. And I think we just articulated some of those challenges that we had and how we dealt with them. Um, but also, <clears throat> I think, how the team came together through COVID. So, you know, we all went, you know, I and this is this is kind of a bit of Tui spirit or how the operation comes together but you know we all went and saw customers off at airports when things were uncertain and helped our kind of ground handling teams there um you know people we had we had chunks of people that were furloughed so people had to do um, different jobs to the jobs they'd had to do before and campaigns you know you had maybe had somebody um, who's got who specifically would normally work in a brand environment running a campaign right across all of the channels and things like that so people just stepped up and I think they stepped up because um I think it's just, I think the leadership challenge is really just about creating passion in an organization for a vision um and then helping everybody to play their part in that whatever that is and what you find is if you are open about that, people step up and they play their part effectively, you know, and they and they want to be part of something which supports their colleagues and supports customers and gets a really good result for the business. So I think it's less about motivating people about, you know, things like how much money something's going to make or something, but more about how it's going to make people feel. Um and I think that is probably the key to the success of bringing everyone together. Fantastic. Katie, you know, related to that success of, of inspiring and bringing people together, surely requires the right people in the right places with the right skills. Yeah. And I wonder to what extent um, you think or you see the changing nature of skills across our industry and perhaps what would be some of the most important skills that are going to be important you know, for an effective marketing team today and in the future? Yeah, so I think, um, firstly, I think everyone needs to, there's an attitudinal piece, which is we are here designing things for customers and we're all customers and people and you have to get passionate about customers and people and your colleagues. So I think there's a first thing, which is like attitudinally, that is what we need. We need people who really have got empathy with that, with what we're trying to do and genuinely feel and want to do a good job um, for customers and, and for their colleagues. I think in terms of skill sets, I, I mean, looking back on my career, you can probably see I'm probably less concerned about technical skills um, and more concerned about, um, about how people can grow and learn those technical skills as they experience, you know, different parts of an organization and whether that be peer marketing or, or broader. So I don't, I wouldn't say that there are skill sets necessarily, which I think are vital, although 
you can't expect to be a successful marketer these days without really being able to understand data and measurement and you know those things i don't think i think um we need people that are well-rounded let's say um to to make our make our businesses successful and um, but i don't think that's necessarily about saying right okay you must have digital skills or you must have um you know great creative skills all of that is important but I think it's more attitude and, and experience and open-mindedness. Wow. Fantastic. Spawn, um, mindsets, Trump methodology, uh, was the, like, it was an agileism, but I think true more generally. Um, Katie, what, what are you, you going to miss about moving on from marketing? Um, well, I'm hoping that I'm not going to move on from it completely. But hopefully my, my new marketing team will feel like I have somehow. But anyway, <laughs> give them the space that they need and all that. But what what's the what, what are the bits that are you've you've got most excited about through the years and that you, you probably will miss? Yeah, I think, you know, I think well, the first thing is, um, I think, you know, marketing because of this focus that we have on people and humans more generally, I think it's good fun. There's high empathy, um, you know, in those teams. Um, and, you know, there's a whole element of creativity which exists um, across every discipline in marketing, which just to be part of that day-to-day -day is is really nice um, and kind of drives pace and all of that kind of thing. So I think that's what I'm going to miss. I think the industry in itself, you know, and all of my colleagues from other businesses and all of that kind of thing, um, there's a lot of, there's there's a nice community of people who can, share um business problems and ideas and empathize and and help you to arrive at um you know good solutions or at least hear you out talking about the problems that you've got in your businesses and that i'll miss that a little bit those communities but hopefully they won't be completely lost for me and maybe there's some kind of ceo community thing that i can join god knows i haven't got there yet um, but i think those things so the support network that i've got across marketing as an industry and then specifically just having being the part of the organization that is absolutely championing the customer would will be the two things. Oh wonderful, Katie. Um I wanna ask, I mean, so clearly going into a uh, a new way of life in the sense of a CEO role, do you have a plan in place? I mean, is there like a almost what they term a ninety day plan for for kind of getting up and ready to be a CEO? I don't know. Um what's what's the thought? Um I haven't really got a plan yet, but I do need to get one together in the next couple of months. I think um, the first thing is going to be really, you know, meeting the people that are currently running that business and they're going to be the ones that are going to help me to understand um, how it works. Um, so I think there's going to be a whole period of immersion. Um, and I think um, with anything, with any leadership position, it's, you know, about prioritization, isn't it? So where how do i how do i quickly understand where am i going to spend my time which areas of the business need more focus than others um and i think just getting to that as quickly as possible is going to be the key to um to success um but i haven't quite worked out how i'm going to do that yet that's my that's my job now for the next couple of months but, but um but in the end you only need to be you i suppose yeah well hopefully yeah, but yeah. but now I mean, the the people think that they you know I need to have it. In some cases, it's not the right thing to have a ninety day plan. 
I just think that the you know everything you've done up to this point is what makes you going to be successful in the next thing, right? Rather than being something you're not. So, so I'm. What what are some of the core values and characteristics that you're going to pull through into that new role that have served you well? Yeah, I am. I think. Look, um, I sort of touched on it in the how to lead a successful team perspective. Um, you know. It's about getting the strategy right. So, you know, I'm sure there is a strategy in this business. It's about validating that, possibly tweaking it. Let's see. Um, being really clear that, um, you know, kind of do we have um, the right resources and enablement for our people to deliver on that strategy in the right environment? and then almost tweaking that. So I would always describe myself as someone who is really enabling my team to do a good job rather than telling them how to do that. And I think just understanding whether or not, you know, to what degree that enablement's there um, and to what degree it needs tweaking or some magic dust sprinkled on it is kind of the, the first place to start. Let me take you back all the way to the beginnings of your career and wonder if now that you, you, you've you been able to both transition for, into the head of marketing right into the head of general management, but what sort of advice would you have for people at the beginning of their careers? So I would always say, I mean, I started this by saying one of my challenges was I never knew what I wanted to do. Um, I would say work out what are the things that make you really want to get out of bed and go to work in the morning and do more of those things. So find roles that allow you to do those things that make you, give you a sense of purpose and a sense of achievement. Because that's what, you know, that's what you need to do to get out of bed every day and to feel really passionate about something and work at the, at the top of your game. Makes complete sense. Um, the, um, uh, through these sort of transitions, obviously, you know, it's, uh, it can be a bit lonely. So um, what, what role does mentoring or coaching play for you? Uh, you know, this big big part of what richie's created the school of marketing the mentoring gen z scheme to help people through but do you do you depend upon mentors or, or coaches at all yeah i do and i haven't um i don't have one person that has been um like my constant let's say um but at different points in my career i've needed different things i suppose and sometimes it's that the same person's provided me with the help and guidance or sounding boards um, but more often than not, there's been someone that can, you know, has got some specific experience or um, a specific style, which is something that I either want to emulate or um, pick their brains about. So I've had a series of different mentors and, and coaching as well. Been fortunate to join a number of leadership programs where I've had some coaching. Um, all of them have been, from everything, you take something from those things. Um, I also think um, to marketers starting out or, you know, you need sponsorship as well. So you need to work out who sits in a room in a business and says, yeah, you know, Katie, she's really good. She should get that next job as well. So that's important to think about too when you're thinking about how you build out this network of people that are going to help you in, in your career. Um, and I think it's important as well to have diversity within the people that mentor you so it's quite easy as a woman let's say you kind of get 
caught up in this thing around well i mean i've already said i think i think you know it's hard being a woman and having kids and all of that stuff and we don't need to go through it again but to then pick a woman to be your mentor right but actually it's quite interesting to get the perspective from a guy's point of view right and to understand um you know that and to get allyship through and um, building those relationships so i think picking diversity in your um and that would go the same for for race or you know any other kind of diversity um and i mentor i've mentored lots of different um people throughout my career I have to say tend to be women because women tend to go oh i would like a you know a, a, a woman to help me navigate this um, and that, those those have always been good experiences because there's nothing quite as rewarding as someone coming to you with a business problem or a career challenge and you helping them to unlock that. And that is what mentoring and coaching is, right? You're just kind of enabling the unlocking of something that's inside yourself. Um, but those have all been very, very rewarding. Amazing. Edie, we're coming to the end of our time here, so perhaps this will just be the last question. I would love to ask, and throughout your career, I, I wondered if you've ever thought about what you'd want your legacy to be. Oh, God. <laughs> big one. It's a big one to end on. Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I guess, like, my legacy would be um, probably just something about having fun and people who work for me, around me, um, would have said that they got a sense of achievement out of that and, you know, felt like they had fun. Love it. Great. What a great, what a great way to end. Uh, and that theme has come out throughout this session. Thank you so much for coming on, Katie. Loads of pearls of wisdom. I'm glad we've caught you at this exact moment because it's really sort of teased out what makes a difference through periods of transition. Um, I'm going to just put a bit of a bow on things and talk about the uh, some of the things we've touched on. Um, so you're on the cusp of a, a massive new job, but but actually all the way through, you never really know what you wanted to do, but you've had such a breadth of roles. And I think there's a key learning there in terms of, are you going to be a narrow marketer or a broad marketer? And probably the broad marketer is the dot, dot, dot into the, the very biggest jobs. Um, where's your spot on the wall? You didn't like that. Uh, you know, more focused on what do you like doing and, and bravo for all the things you've achieved. We heard a bit about COVID and what a hellish time that was for the travel industry, but leading a team of 4,000 through that and being open and vulnerable and just trying things, even if you didn't have all the answers. Um, like have a sense of fun, lightheartedness, don't particularly like the drama, um, love that. And that, that spirit comes through time and time again. Um, the brand work that you've done on the back of, uh, on the back of COVID um, has really helped to, to great accolades and and business success. So all credit to you. Um, we heard about living happy uh, as the live happy as the line, and maybe there's a sort of a, a metaphor in terms of the way that you live your life. Uh, and we heard this, the skills, um, but actually maybe more focus on the attitude as much as anything. Data and measurement to the fore, but we need well-rounded marketers. Um, I, I, my synopsis of you, Katie, from what we've discussed here, um, is that you're a very honest and grounded person and I can see why people would want to follow you. Um, you bring a lightheartedness. You talked a little bit about magic dust. Maybe if I had one more question, it would be a little bit more what you mean by that. But but a sense of calm pragmatism that I think will serve you very well as a CEO in your new job. I have no doubt you're going to have a brilliant time and have lots of success in that role. Again, bringing that, that lightheartedness, that determination 
Uh, but also generosity. You talked about the generosity of being a mentor through into the new role and wish you every success at Cunard. And we'll be watching this space to see the headlines. Thank you very much. It's been lovely chatting to you both.